Yeah, we're going to start a little early um, so that we can uh, end on time. <laughs> um, okay. Okay, 안녕하세요. 안녕하세요. It means hello. Okay, hello. Um, <laughs> Aloha. Sounds like it. Uh, this morning, I want to share um, how to say the words, let's share the gospel in Korean. Let's share the gospel. It's po. And then gum, gm, gum, without the u. And then ul, ul. So Bible without the bibe. Can you guys try that? Pogum ul. Three, uh, three, con- yeah, three syllables. Pogum ul. And then chanhaja. John, like fun, without the J or the F. Yeah. So we're going to say, 복음 을 전하자. It's too much today? Okay. <laughs> so today is Mark's our last class on Mark together. Uh, Rick will spearhead the uh, remainder for the next five weeks, um, next, starting next week. You guys may know you, that I'll be downstairs. So yeah, I wanted to say... I want, I'm not preaching, but last week I preached on uh, justification, and um, those two last verses of Romans chapter 3, verse 27 and 28, it says, then what becomes of boasting, and uh, we learn that it is excluded, you know, by what kind of law? Uh, by a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. And so um, it says, the, you know, Paul says, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And uh, I mentioned this because this, uh, today's uh, you know, text will wrestle a lot with the word faith. And I want to add last week, but I didn't because I just forgot to add it um, but, or didn't prepare to add it. Uh, our boasting is excluded because uh, from the beginning, even before the beginning, you could say that God is the one who justifies us. He elects he calls, he called, you know, from even before uh, the foundations of the world. Um, that's why we really, the elect have nothing to boast about. No, or that's why we don't boast of anything. Uh, because justification is an act of his uh, free grace and not ours. So today, uh, with all that being said, um, I'm going to start today's lesson a bit differently. I'm not going to read out of my journals, but um, I'm going to read, I'm going to share a story that illustrates uh, what pertains to today's um, study of Mark chapters 4 and chapter 5. But before I do that, I will pray. Uh, Our gracious Father, uh, we thank you for who you are. Um, Lord, remind us this morning that uh, we are sinners uh, saved by grace, and it's by grace that we've been saved uh, through faith, uh, the gift of God. Remind us this morning that we are uh, your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, uh, which you prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Help us to walk in the good works you prepared beforehand, and for us who've walked away, bring us back to walking in them. Lord, as I share this story, uh, be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, hope you like stories. In 2007, uh, I'll be checking here periodically so I don't waste words or waste time. Uh, in 2007, 
January, uh, my mother convinced me to move to Hawaii for this school. I grew up Presbyterian, so uh, enrolling in this semi-well-known charismatic school, uh, I did not know what I was going to get myself into. And uh, the point of this story isn't about the school. Uh, it's not about Dr. Lauren Cunningham. It's not about that. It's about what happened between you know, those months, January till June. Okay? So, this is a true story, and uh, you can make of it what you'd like. On the second week uh, in Hawaii, my classmates and I went downtown to play night volleyball. Um, after the game, we walked to the convenience store to get our drinks, and I was last in line to check out. And uh, I bought a Coca-Cola. And my group was waiting outside, and as I walked out the front door, a woman stood in between me and the group. Uh, she gave me a very creepy look. I got scared, so much so that I walked back inside of the store, and I crouched between the candy aisles so that she would just not find me, but she found me. She came inside, she said, hello, and I said, hi. Uh, she said, uh, can you buy me something? And I told her that I'm on a very poor student budget, uh, so I offered her a sip of my Coke. She took a sip and handed it back to me, and then I took a sip from the same straw. This is not a good way to start a story. I left the convenience store uh, thinking that was the end of our talk, and um, it wasn't. She followed me outside. I joined my group, started conversing with them before she screamed from behind me, you, hey, you know, I need to talk to you. You, come here. She singled me out in front of many tourists in Hawaii eating on the, you know, porch or patio of Outback Steakhouse, um, I walked over to her and I said, what, what really is it? What is it? I, I told you I already don't have anything. I don't have a car. She asked me for a ride. I told her I, don't, I can't get her anywhere. So I told her to wait. I said, why don't you just wait here? I'll go talk to my friends. So I joined my group of friends and I told them to follow closely behind me as I'm going to propose that we will take a walk to her. So I said, let's take a walk. And she said, okay. She knew the area. I didn't. We walked to a nearby curb. And at this point, I could tell that there is something uh, very off about her. Uh, she stared into car windows and she repeated a man's name. And I'm not exactly sure uh, what to say at that point. But I knew at least my classmates were following behind us closely. So I asked this lady, can we sit down and talk? And she said, okay, we did. She kept bringing up this man's name. She kept saying, I love him, he loves me, but he left me, I love him. You know, she, that was her uh, repeated phrase. So I asked her, of all the things I could say, I, I really didn't know honestly what to say. Um, so I asked her, do you know who loves you? And she said, who loves me? And then I said, God loves you. And she asked me, who is this God? So I said, well, I've only been on so many mission trips. I've only read gospel tracts in Spanish to the locals in Mexico. 
So I think this might have been like one of the four, like first times I was going to share the gospel in English. So I basically told her, okay, so God created Adam and Eve. I went all the way to the beginning. And um, I told her that we sinned um, and that because, you know, God loves us, he sent Christ, his son, uh, to die for our sins. Uh, for those who, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You know, John 3.16. Um, I don't remember exactly what I said in that, in that, that night. But I asked her at the end of that gospel presentation, would you then believe in this God who loves you and, you know, sent his son? She said, yes. We prayed together. She stood up. She danced. She was so happy just waving her arms. She said, God loves me. God loves me. And then she looks at me and says, because you are God. Yeah. She says, God is you. And I said, no, no, look at me. I, I'm not, I don't look anything like him. I was really upset. And I told her, I kept pressing, persisting. I'm not God. I was just telling you about the man I believe in. Uh, this is the man I was telling you about. She kept nodding her head. She said, sure. Uh, but she asked me now, like, she was really quick, you know, quick. Um, her, her mind was everywhere. She thought about something else. So she said, Okay, well, can I get an aloha, alo, aloha hug? Which, you know, I didn't know what that was, but it's a Hawaiian thing. So as naive as I was, um, I said, okay, I'll give you an aloha hug only for a second. Because at that time, I was um, 2007, I was 19. And I thought, you know, if I ever hug another woman, I would be giving up on the woman I like or have a crush on. Because, you know, in high school, if you hug someone, it's, it could be, it's someone else that you don't like, you know, it means it could be the end for your crush, your imaginary, imaginary relationship. Um, so I went on to give her this aloha hug. She drew me in, held me very tightly, and she stuck her tongue in my ear. Yeah. I nudged her off of me. I was frust frustrated. And I asked her, why? Why'd you do that? And she didn't use any words. Rather, she took my hat off, you know, my head. She dropped her sweater as if it was an exchange, and she ran away. A cop came out of the bushes. He said, hey, that man or that woman is an outcast of this town. Are you okay? And I said, yes. Uh, my friends also who were following closely, she, they saw everything. Uh, we walked, and so we walked home together, talked about it. And on, camp on the campus, I prayed for this woman's safety and that she understood the gospel that I shared with her. Last week, we talked about in Mark how gospel, you know, is a seed, right? The sower just scatters seeds. A week later, I went out on a walk Sunday afternoon. Guess who I saw? <laughs> we saw each other at a crosswalk, and I asked her, hey, where's my hat? And she looked around and pointed at a statue, um, saying that that statue took the hat. We sat down on a park bench to chat. I learned that she's 31 years old from Norway. Um, now this is where she tells me her name. Her name is Shai, C-H-I-A. Mm -hmm. I asked her, are you a member of a church? And she started to cry. She said, I really wanna be a member of our church. 
a church. So I said, why don't you come to our campus worship service every Thursday? And I told her that I would meet you at the parking lot. I'll pick you up at 5.30. She said, okay. She said, if you don't come, something really bad is going to happen to me. So uh, I didn't know what to make of that. Um, but I said, I'll come pick you up. And as we were talking on the park bench, I noticed that her feet, her um, sandals, were all duct taped and, and really raggedy and beaten up. So, you know, me just moving to Hawaii, I bought a brand new pair of sandals. Um, so I gave her my sandals and I walked home barefooted. Remember, no boasting, right? Boasting is excluded. And so um, that night, I was actually very happy that I got to run into her again. I shared this uh, joy with my group leader. And I told him, and he said, hey, you know, when you go meet her at 530, take a woman with you. You know, you don't want to do this solo. I said, okay. So he's keeping me safe. On Thursday, we went downtown, but Shai was not there at the designated spot. Um, I thought something really bad did happen to her. I ran around everywhere to look for her, uh, but she wasn't there. And so that night, I went back to campus, and I prayed for just her to be alive, you know. A um, couple of days passed. Now, on Saturday evening, a couple days, a few days later, we we're playing volleyball again in the middle of the game. I hear Shai's voice. She says, Daniel, Daniel, come up here, you know, come up to the hill. My friends encouraged me, don't be afraid of her, um, and we'll go up with you. And I was just frustrated that this was happening again. We go upstairs or to the hill, um, and the men and women I go with introduce themselves. Shai lowers her brim um, of her hat to avoid any eye contact with them. She wore, had a cast on her leg, and I asked, how did you get that? And she said, I jumped off a ledge, got hurt. And near the end of the conversation, when all the, my friends leave, she takes off a ring, and she hands it to me. And she says, why don't you read the inside engraving? And so I look inside the inside engraving, and the three letters are I-L-D. Anyone want to take a wild guess on what that might stand for? Who's, someone said it. Yeah, she, she, that's what she said. She said what Marty said. That's exactly right. She said, Daniel, that, this little titanium ring that I got, I-L-D engraved, it stands for I love Daniel. And I said, no, this, is going, this gospel sharing thing is going way out of hand. She has now, she has called me God. Now she has gotten a ring. She stuck her ear in my, uh, her tongue in my ear. This is at the point I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe I should go home, you know, to Virginia. <laughs> I felt very awkward. Um, I tried to change the subject. I said, where were you at 5.30 on Thursday? She said, I was here at the parking lot. And I said, what time? 5.30? She said, yeah, 5.30 a.m. You never specified whether... I need to be here at 5.30 p.m. Or, and I said, wow. That, she was right. She was sharp. And uh, again, I'm more uncomfortable now, so I tell her I'm going to go back to campus. I walk home. As I'm walking home, one of the campus leaders uh, approaches me, and he says, hey. So this is, again, happening again. The policeman, and there's a, like a common theme. She says, hey, I know I see you reaching out to that one woman. Um, I know you guys just talk here and there, but you need to stop. She's really an outcast. 
she, she's just not safe. You just gotta, you just gotta stop. So I was very perplexed as a 19-year-old. Um, I thought men who, men and women who walked with Christ for such a long time, right? Why, why are you telling me to stop? You know, reaching out to you know locals. Um, why stop engaging with who may be lost? And so he didn't explain because, well, I never asked. I was just asking in my head. Anyway, I was back on campus later that night, and uh, two of my uh, classmates knocked on my dorm and asked, let's go back downtown. I was like, no, no, I just got back from downtown. I, I don't want to go. And they said, why? And I said, well, I don't want to run into Shy anymore. And uh, they were laughing because they, they didn't know her. They didn't know the severity of annoyance right, for me. Um, they promised, they convinced, persuaded me. They said, we'll protect you from her, man. Just come on, let's go downtown. I was so naive. Uh, I went downtown with them. And that night, uh, you know, hanging out with uh, them, I didn't know exactly what their agenda was downtown. But, um, you know, shamefully, I, they, they, I stumbled with them. I, I sinned with them. So I didn't know that's what their plan was. But I went downtown and sinned with them. Now, as the night grew late, on our walk home on a dimly lit street, um, very dim, a woman with a stack of newspapers walking towards us. Um, who wants to take a guess on who that might be? Um, I'm grabbing now the backs of my friend's jackets, and I'm like, this is really scary. And she says, they're like, get off of me, get off. Of course, it's shy, walking alongside us now, and she says... Daniel, I want to talk to you about us. You know, I want to talk to you about this God thing. I want to talk to you about the ring that I bought for you. I want to talk to you about how you're Korean, and I like Koreans. And I'm like, what is she saying? This is, this is insanity. And I said, shy, shy, just please stop. We need to be going our way. We have a curfew. And this is where she asks, all right, give me an aloha hug. And I said, remember last time what you did? And she said, I won't do that anymore. And I said, okay, one second, one second. So I gave her a little pat. It's not, it wasn't even a Christian side hug. It was, it was one of these yeah, aloha hugs. And, um, you know, at that point, I'm thinking, okay, this has happened so many times in like three weeks. This is the night that I decided to give her my phone number. She had a little notepad and a Sharpie. I think she carried it around a lot. So I wrote my phone number, and I said, call me if you need anything. Because I didn't want to listen to my campus leader. Um, not the first guy, but the second guy. He wasn't even my leader. He was just the guy on campus. So when we got back home, I was going through a hard time um, back on campus. My doormates slept very late because they were up praying for me. Uh, the next day, I'm going to try to speed things up. This, we're almost done. Uh, the next day, a friend uh, named Rachel asked me if she could meet Shy, because I had been telling her, and through the grapevine, she's, she's heard some stories. So I said, sure, let's go downtown again. Might as well. After sunset, we're sitting on a bench. We prayed, you know, God, if it's your will, put Shy in our path. And long, like a few minutes later, Shy is walking right past us. So I catch up to her, and I... Uh, get Rachel to introduce herself, and Shy wasn't that excited. Uh, she, I, I was listening to Chris Tomlin on my iPod. I said, "Why don't you listen to this? You know, put the, put the gospel in your ears, or you know, 
Christ in your ears. Rachel took a picture of us, and this night was the last time I saw Shai. On our walk home, Rachel tells me that Shai seemed very disturbed, um, maybe even possessed by demons. Right? Uh, later that night, we find out that Shai got arrested for disturbing the peace. And I did not know what to make of all that transpired. And so I just prayed for her. Um, if you're wondering about the picture, I don't have it. It was very scary to look at, so I deleted it off my digital camera. Okay, so in March, a couple, a month later, I, we leave for Hawaii. Uh, we leave Hawaii and we go to Egypt um, for like a missionary trip. Now, um, fast forward to June 2007. Uh, I'm in Northern Virginia now with my friends at a pizza shop return to my car, I left my phone in the car, and I see that I have a missed call from an 808 number. It's a Hawaiian area code. Would anyone like to guess who that might have been? <laughs> I called the number, I said, hello? She said, hello? I said, this is Daniel, and I pretended I did not know who this was at first. But we all have a breaking point, right? We all, we all have breaking points. Uh, Shy went on about how she became a member of a church, and how she loved the Lord. Um, she asked me, why was your phone off for two months? I told her I was in Egypt. I, couldn't, I don't have roaming. She said, Daniel, thank you for uh, reaching out to me during those you know, couple of months, January and February. And um, after we hung up, kind of sat there, I called my group leader who lived in Denver, and he reminded me, one, it's all God. God is the one who starts and finishes. Um, two, that God receives all the glory. And three, our work for the sake of the gospel is not in vain. I'm going to share the story or the gospel. I wanted to share the gospel with an outcast or with locals in theory, but the living God wouldn't allow me to do that. He wouldn't allow me to serve him that way. And so he finally, God finally got me to apply and practice faith, which is what we we're going to talk about today. I did some digging uh, through old files to find this message that Shai emailed me later that week after the phone call in June. Mm, I just copied and pasted it from the email. She wrote... I will never forget you and how you touched my life and showed me the love of Jesus in the middle of so much darkness. You were like a light that gave me so much hope. As I told you on the phone, I have given my life back to Jesus and I'm committed to a local church in Iwa Beach, Oahu. Please pray for me with your church about my relationship with the Lord, that I never walk away from him again, and that I seek first the kingdom of heaven in all I do. You will always have a special place in my heart, Daniel. Thank you for being my angel. Please email me and let me know how your life's going. Love in Christ, always shy. That's, that's the end. You know, as I've um, been here for two months, I want to continue to boast in my weaknesses. Um, anyone here who is sitting here suffering, you know, as moms, dads, husbands, wives, singles, bosses, employees, sons, daughters, we have the whole gamut range 
we share in the suffering of Christ. We can take comfort in knowing that Christ bears our sufferings. And it's not for us who foolishly go out of the way to look for suffering, but it's for us when suffering strikes, we will be kept in the power of God. We're doing a study, uh, we're studying this book written by Calvin, his sermons, but it was reminding me that we're dependent and reliant on the strength of God, right? Now, we're going to look at two more stories now uh, written by Mark to answer this question. What does it mean to have faith in Jesus? If you know this already, this will be a great review. If you don't know this already, or and this will be a great encouragement, <laughs> exhortation. Um, let's start. Uh, let's open. Well, you don't have to open. Uh, we'll read Mark 4, 35 through 41. By the way, I have not been able to con- like reach Fine Chai again. Um, that's been sort of, uh, now that's annoying, right? What used to be annoying is now not being able to find or locate where she is. Um, one day, may, perhaps I'll see, we'll see each other again. Um, that day when Jesus returns or something. Okay, Mark chapter 4. On that day... When evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this then, that even the wind and the sea obey him? We'll notice a couple of things. But we have, uh, actually I can't be the, not the Lord of our consciences, but this story really happened. Whether I just spent like 25 minutes telling you a story that never happened about Shai. It may or may not have happened, but this story we have to trust that it happened. And it, we can know, we can even, we, it, uh, the word gains our trust because look at the details, right? The time of day, it's in the evening. There are other boats with him, right, next to him. There's a cushion in the boat we learn. And we, we see where Jesus slept, right, on, in the stern. These are proofs that gain our trust. Experts in ancient history and culture, if we read, you know, commentaries or books, it tells us that there was actually a cushion on a fishing boat kept under the uh, coxswain seat for those who were not involved in either the fishing or the actual uh, sailing of the boat. So these are the details that uh, readers will uh, say, okay, Mark, you, you're legit, you're legitimate. But we got to see that also the facts don't contribute to the plot or, you know, or character development. So uh, while there was no reason for an ancient writer to record these details, the you know, first you know, gospel eyewitnesses remembered that these things were true. Now, critical scholars made these following assertions for us who may be skeptical that this actually happened. 
The gospel stories, this is one of them. The gospel stories such as this one was constructed by the early church to answer questions and settle disputes. Uh, what better way was there to secure our compliance and submission to the authority of the church? Now, if there was a story, a controversy about matters of faith, leaders could write a story about Jesus asking the disciples, you know, where is your faith as this boat is about to sink? The leaders could deal with problems by writing stories in their midst. But, but we, we, maybe not all of us, but, but we agree that these critical scholars were mistaken. If the early church really wanted to dominate and assert themselves this way and address doctrinal conflicts, why would they paint these apostles in such a negative light? They would have um, written about these apostles in such an amazing way, and, um, but, they, but they didn't. They actually here learn about how weak their faith is or even absent, how absent their faith is. So uh, I try to believe that these stories really happened, and I, have, and I ask that us, as we read his word more and more, we believe that it actually happened. And that's why, simply, they're recorded. And I tell us this, uh, our leaders this, we tell ourselves this, because when we believe in Christ, we need to know, again, that what we're reading is true, truth and true. Um, that way, as the Word you know, gains our trust, we can see who Jesus is, and we can trust in Jesus. Here in this scripture, in this pericope, we see that Jesus is quite human. So one thing we learn about Jesus is that he is exhausted from serving others. He is drained. On the other hand, uh, Mark points us to the divinity of Jesus. As tired as Jesus is, he goes up to the, on top of the boat and he stops a big hurricane with a single command, he stands up, rebukes the winds, entering uh, from the cleft in the mountains. He says, peace, be still. He shows no sign of struggle. And he not only stops the wind, but he also calms the waves. Verse 39, he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea. The waters and the winds became totally frozen. He, they tell them to be still. He, in other words, we can say that the wind died, the waves died. And um, Jesus' divinity is shown here as we can now trust in him to be sovereign and has power over creation. When we understand uh, the humanity and the divinity of Jesus, that God condescended down to us. He voluntarily came down, took on the form of a human. We might rejoice, right? It pushes us to rejoice because Jesus truly represents us, right, as the wrath bearer of wrath bearer. And so the, he is human. And so as he is divine, we also might rejoice, on the other hand, Jesus truly revealed to 
revealed God to us. Not, um, he didn't reveal some false idol to us. He revealed God to us by successfully uh, you know, victoring over the temptations of the devil. So we know that Jesus is all-powerful, even in situations that are, humanly speaking, hopeless. So what about, now that we know about him, who Jesus is, now why do we trust in him? Uh, well, we don't trust in him because he did all these things, right? We, just like we don't trust in any man for just a bunch of, a list of inventory of facts or things, amazing things he did. So we trust him because, yes, he gives us a gift called faith. But we go back to that word in verse 40. Jesus said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? See, that word still appears again, but this is not, you know, the winds and the waves are still. But Jesus is using this word still like after all the things and all the miracles I've shown you. Still? Still? It's indicative of how uh, Jesus, you know, how much evidence the disciples have seen, and still, we've seen his power, we've seen his goodwill, and still, we are learning here something really important about faith. It's not simply us exercising the will. It has to, our, our faith has to be in something, someone. Someone we learn about and we become more and more familiar with. And so faith is and is built up by looking at the evidence. You know, the Lord our God, we, we must, we're called to love the Lord our God with all our minds. We study, we study Him, we study the Word. And so there is some degree to it being a matter of our wills. But that question here, he's, by him asking, have you still no faith, indicates that Jesus is assuming that we or the disciples have something they should be doing and exercising continually. If faith were simply something that comes upon us, oh, now I have faith, oh yeah, okay, now I can do something, right? Or it, then Jesus is asking the wrong question. What he would be asking is, guys, you, can you help yourselves right now? Can you help yourself? But he's not asking that. He, it, it, we, we, we are, he's, he means that the disciples are believing him as some kind of you know, fact-producing machine. He's not just a, a fact, you know, a human of facts. Jesus is rebuking his disciples He's saying, and he's exhorting them with much love you know, to believe. He was not angry that they woke him up. Let's not, you know, take, take that side. Jesus, wake up. Do you not care? You know, wake us. We, we're going to wake up a sleeping man. But rather, Jesus is angry that they doubted his care for them in spite of all the evidence they've had up till Mark chapter 5 or 4. Jesus shows us that faith is truly the only instrument to remind ourselves and the disciples, remind themselves of all the love and miracles that he has already shown them. And so faith is one, yes, it is the gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8, uh, Romans 3. So 
I hope that you're not taking this as I'm contradicting it, but I'm trying to supplement it because the Bible supplements himself, right, itself. The Bible is self-authenticating. And so this is why when we exercise faith, we are just acting on what we know. That goes on, that goes, that goes, uh, that applies in all spheres of our, what we do. Faith or trust in Jesus is not a feeling or an impulse uh, because Jesus tells us to consider the lilies of the field, consider the birds of the air, and he then calls them out. Oh, you of little faith. So we, we here, I encourage us to stop and just think, and we deal with our questioning, uh, with our fears, I mean. We, we, we got to question our fears, and we got to think through them. Why am I worried or fearful of blank? Yeah, I was thinking about this, um, how to make this, you know, bring this to All Saints, and, and I thought when we hear many members, not members, we hear people, our friends or family members saying that, you know, they're such and such a good person. And um, we, some of us may get so agitated and we tell them, we, want, we may even go as far as telling them, you're not a good person. You're totally depraved, right? We want to go, uh, we want to get to that first letter of tulip. Because we have thought through these doctrines, we've, it, we, it, we can't help it because it it's on the tip of our tongues. We've studied these doctrines. But have we studied the other doctrines? Don't throw pearls to pigs. Um, be as shrewd as snakes. Be as gentle as doves, right? Be as gentle as doves. Or season, you know, speak with graciousness, seasoned with salt. Those are other doctrines we need to, we could also sink into and think about and, and add to our belt of, you know, truth. So Jesus asked the disciples, why are you afraid? He's asking, do you have enough reason for your fears and doubts? And so the winds and the waves, uh, are they enough reason to fear and doubt? And he's not, he sounds mean, but he's not. He's saying to you and I, who are continually doubting him, which he's saying we are rarely thinking about the lilies of the field. And um, yeah, us who are doubtful are, are not thinking. Last point, faith is a matter of personal inclination towards Jesus. Now, the men wake Jesus up and ask him, Teacher, do you not care? We are perishing. A few moments, few moments later, if we look at the question, they ask in verse 41, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Do you not care that we're perishing? Who is this guy? Both questions, if we look carefully, lack faith in Jesus. Do you not care? He does. Who is this guy? Uh, this is a man we're called to trust. And this is why ultimately faith is a matter of being attracted to Jesus, inclined to trust him, that he does care that you're perishing. He does care. He'll, he will stop the winds and the waves, that he does care. It, it means that we're called to rest in his love and work when we, you and I, go out to love others and work. 
See, it, see it this way. Uh, the day he died on the cross is the worst day of my life. And see it this way. The day he rose again from the grave is the best day of my life. That way, when, if we process this, when we see that Jesus falls asleep in the stern, well, what's worse? That he died on a cross. When Jesus rose up, oh, there's that word, rose up to rebuke the wind and the wave. What's better? What's the best day of our lives? That he rose up from the grave. To defeat, not only rebuke the wind and the sea, to defeat the, the sin and death forever. And this is how I have, and, and I hope we can have peace in the small, smaller storms that, that come upon us. I'm not saying don't grieve, don't rejoice, be, uh, what's that, who are they? Um, Stoics, right? We're not called to be Stoics, right? We're called to really feel happiness and really feel sadness. But I hope that we really feel that Jesus' death is the worst day of our lives and his resurrection is the best day. Let's go to Mark chapter 5, and I'll try to finish everything in three minutes. (laughs) Um, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, he immediately met them there. There met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him, Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with the stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what uh, what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there clothed in, in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him, and he did not permit, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. One of the main reasons why I, storied, I shared the story of Shai is uh, this one. She was under the bondage of the demonic forces. Her soul was being provoked and bothered by them. Uh, demons can accuse and tempt us as well, Uh, They can stir us and aggravate us. Um, Evil spirits 
greatly magnify and complicate the sin in the hearts, in our hearts that we commit towards God, right? We go, oh man, I shouldn't have done it. And we begin to self, you know, condemn our, and others and ourselves uh, too much, I'm saying. We, we, are called, we, we do self-condemn because we, we hate our sin. And uh, we see in the scriptures here that good, even though we do that, uh, even though we may be provoked and bothered and annoyed, Jesus still has the authority to heal the darkest, uh, troubled soul. Not only in the individual, but also in the corporate. Not only us American, but Americans, America. Uh, not even or just the man, but the many. And so Jesus can hold, handle the forces that enslave us. And so it's here that we might learn faith, going back to that word, is more than simply a person's obedience to uh, his will, to, to God's will. Jesus comes, he gives us rules, yes, but he also comes as a liberator and a healer. Um, it's his kingship in the way that he defends and protects us and he secures and holds onto us that it has a pacifying and healing effect. Um, has anyone ever been uh, sitting inside of an ice bath? No. Well, I've dipped my toe in one. <laughs> I didn't want to go in. But for us, for all the athletes who do sit in ice baths, yes, the pain is healed, right, by all that sharp pain. Uh, the aching muscles of the whole body are relieved. And so we might be sitting right now, not in ice baths, but on these chairs, right, in a dry bath, right, um, being healed as we hear more and more about Jesus. In Mark chapter uh, 5, verse 13, we look at the, we see the divinity of Jesus again. Um, he, the, it's the host of demons asking him for permission. Uh, so again, we, we see that um, Jesus has, is above all. This is another story, and last, last but not least, to I, exhort all of us to, act, to, to trust, to really trust in, in Jesus with our lives. I like that word fiduciary, you know, relationship. Faith in Jesus moves beyond uh, knowing about him, and it moves from that to, it moves from knowing about Jesus to living in the, tr like trust, trusting that truth and accepting that truth as the basis for our lives, okay? I have a lot of points to go through. Um, if, I were, if, if I may pick one, one to finish with, um, I'll just summarize this. Okay. Uh, the townspeople, so the demons, we learn in James, uh, what do, the, what do the demons do? They, uh, they can confess that, that God is one. So for all of us here, we're qualified to be demons, right? If we're confessing that God is one. That's, we're there, right? We're there, we're there now. I say this because the demons, what they won't do is they won't step out and they won't base their actions and life on the facts that cons consented to. Um, here's how I'll finish it. Um, whereas the demons could have asked Jesus, 
Send us into yourself. Take us away. Put us in you. They don't. They ask him to send us to the pigs. This man, who this demoni, demoni, demoniac who's been healed, at the end says, let me go with you. So this is the man of faith here who wants to follow Christ. Secondly, we have the town, the townspeople. They ask Jesus, they could have asked Jesus, stay, stay in our town. Teach us, feed us, you know, hang out with us. But they don't. They don't want to be united to Christ because why? He is a powerful man. And what happens when a powerful man or a powerful, powerful boss comes into our lives? We lose control. See, the townspeople wanted to keep and maintain their control. And so they say, Jesus, depart. But what does this man do? This man says, can I go with you? And then lastly, the third thing, Jesus, uh, this man who's been healed says, Jesus, can I go with you? And he says, no. It's like our prayer is not being answered. And so yet Jesus tells him, why don't you go back home, hang out with your family, and tell the good news of what I did. And so even to an un, to a, to a answer, like he was expecting a yes, can I, he could come with him, Jesus tells him something else to do. This man, right, is a very obedient to God's will, right? And he, he obeys Jesus' command. Yeah, that's faith. That's faith. Does anyone have any questions? That's how I wanted to end it. Sorry for going f uh, so long over time. Huh? Oh, so I can keep going? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that helped me practice, memorize my manuscript. And um, our finishing question, like our last slide, my, my battery died, I apologize. Um, it is, what is an area of your life where you and I can trust Christ more? That, that was a question I wanted to leave in your back pocket before Rick takes it out next week. All right, let's pray. I'll say a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us here to worship you. Um, help us to remember that your name is above all names. And, and then to trust who you are and to trust in you as we go about our daily activities. And um, whenever suffering comes, may we know that yeah, you are in control. And we say that a, a billion times. Um, so please help us to say it a billion times more. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.